Hi everyone and welcome to Anesthesia Coffee Break, where we break down the ANSCA first part anesthesia exam. I'm Lahiru. And I'm Stan. And today we want to talk about the study plan. Before we launch in, at the beginning of every episode, we've decided to do a weekly performance tip. So Lahiru, is there something that sticks out during your training that helped you improve your performance? Yeah, well my tip for this week is that I think memory is all about active recall. If you're passively reading text without trying to reproduce and drag out those memories, you simply won't get the same results no matter how much time you spend. So I found that regularly writing and speaking out answers are a great way to be efficient with time. So always ask a question so that promotes your brain searching for an answer and creates those neuronal connections you need to solidify memory. Just think of all the times that you've you know read a paragraph, read a chapter, read a book, and you're just passively taking in. It's very hard to recall what you've just you know, read. But imagine if at the end of reading a paragraph, you ask yourself a question and you constantly try to answer a question. That will help that active recall process. Anyway, so that's enough from me. Okay, Stan, so how do we get started with the study plan? Okay, so look, a study plan is quite daunting. And, and the first thing to do is to look at uh, how it's been previously done. You know, talk to those who have recently passed and see what their study plans look like. Ask them what worked and what didn't work. And also ask them what they would have changed. Great. And I believe we'll also attach a link to download an example of a study plan that you've created for your trainees. Yes. And if you look at the main components, it consists of a 52-week timeline to the written with about three quarters uh, or about nine months dedicated to all the topics and one quarter or three months dedicated to revision. So how many topics are there? So broadly speaking, they can be divided into physiology, pharmacology, and physics. However, if you look at the study plan I've created, there are 20 topics, which is similar to the timetable of the, of the part one teaching program that I create for our, our trainees. That's a bit of a big jump. So going from three to 20. <laughs> well, here they are. So number one is pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics. Number two is intravenous agents. Three is inhalational agents. Four is pain. Five is, is opioids. Six is regional and local anesthetics. Seven is muscle relaxants. Eight, respiratory. Nine, cardiovascular. 10, neurobiology, 11, safety and quality, 12, renal, 13, fluids and electrolytes, 14, hematology, 15, metabolic and endocrine, 16, gastrointestinal, 17, perioperative, 18, immunology and oncology, 19, obstetrics, and finally, 20, pediatrics. And is that the order you recommend? Because I remember I did it in a slightly different order. I reckon I put cardiovascular and respiratory first. Mm. Look, look, it is. And the reason why I've designed it this way um, is that it's aimed for the trainee who has just started as an anesthetic registrar. And the topics at the start are all topics that they would start encountering on a day-to-day basis. So recapping this would be pharmacology, so intravenous and inhalational agents, pain and opioids, local anesthetics, and muscle relaxants. Correct. And I think being exposed to this really provides opportunities to recall and as what you said you know in terms of active recall as you study you can apply the knowledge that you've learned um, which is all important in creating memory yeah memorization is so important and we've got so many topics and so much content to try and memorize so what about putting respiratory and cardiology first what do you reckon look i know a lot of trainees do put respiratory and cardiovascular a lot earlier um, because they are the biggest and most important topics And by doing that allows them opportunities to revise along the way concepts which they may struggle with. This can work too. And at the end of the day, it's all about setting a plan and knowing the outcomes. So what do you mean by knowing the outcomes? 
So to break it down, there are really only two possible outcomes when you study. Either you get it or you don't. If you get it, fantastic, you're on target. If you don't and run out of time according to your schedule, what are you going to do about it? This, I believe, is the most important question when devising your study plan, which can lead to success or failure. Because so often, trainees may find it difficult to move on from a concept they don't fully understand and can spend too much time thinking about it. Best thing to do is to put it aside and have a plan about how to manage these difficult concepts. This can be simple as writing it down and saving the question for another colleague or even for when you attend the part one revision course, or perhaps using the revision period as another opportunity to have another crack at it. But the most important thing is that you have to move on. The breadth of knowledge required to pass this exam is just as important as the depth. Now, how important are having breaks in this exam? Hmm. Having time to have your mind rest is important. The way that I divide it is breaks during the day, breaks during the week, and breaks during the month. So during the day, taking five to 10 minutes every hour of study is important. You know, this can be taken every hour on the hour, or you can also take it as a 15 to 30 minute break at the end of a three hour study session. During the week, taking half a day or a day off after you've completed your objectives is so good for your mental health. And as you can see on my schedule, every two to three months, I've set out a week where once you've set and completed a practice exam, you can take that week off just to rest and reset your mind. So yeah, I found that really useful. I had this thing where I just felt my brain hurt sometimes. And I think we'll all, and as you do this exam, you'll all realize that that's a thing. So I would just rest, lie down and distract myself with something light, but not TV or Facebook or social media. So I know that those things are a rabbit hole and absolute waste of time. So definitely highly encourage that sometimes you just can't take anything more in whether it's just you know going for a walk or having a chat with a mate or you know playing with your with your pet dog might be something useful so what does a week look like in your study plan so each study week has a set of uh, short answer questions tied to a learning objective my recommendation is that you create your own template answer to a short answer question and read around the topic also take a look at the mcqs and any true false statements from the primary lo of the day by Emma Giles that are relevant to your learning objectives. Each day should be dedicated to practicing SAQ answers with either a two minute template or a nine minute answer. Once you've done this, if there is still time, take the opportunity to have a look at any other learning objective that you have yet to cover by either a SAQ or MCQ, as these may be potential questions in the future. But do know that given that they haven't been asked in the past, their importance is probably lower down so don't feel pressure to spend too much time on them if you run out of time. You can use your study group to divide and conquer these topics. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, there's so many learning objectives and this is a game, you know, it's all about percentage play. So, you know, you want to cover the breadth of topics and not get bogged down by certain things that may not ever be asked. So what does the revision period look like? The revision period is, is a 12-week period and you can sacrifice some of the revision period to cover, again, any key concepts or any topics that you may have run out of time with. Otherwise, you want to start conditioning yourself to the written exam. <laughs> That's right. So I, I just think of conditioning. I think of sport. I'm mm -hmm. sure there's going to be lots of analogies here. So what do you mean by conditioning? Well, that's spot on. Well, you have to treat the exam like running a marathon. You need to build the stamina both in your mind and body to succeed. To do this, make sure you don't burn yourself out. I'd rather build yourself out. In other words, don't run a marathon a week or two before you run the marathon. Rather, build on what you have done throughout the year. Increase the number of short answer questions you can do in a day to 10. And you probably only want to be doing 10 short answers in a day once a week. Make sure you have someone else mark it, ideally an ex 
examiner, but this could also be a consultant or one of your study group members. If you want to do a practice exam with exam conditions, make sure you do it at least four to eight weeks out to give your mind and body plenty of time to recover. My schedule has it at approximately five weeks out. During the exam preparation week, it's all about consolidating what you've done over the last 11 months. After your practice exam, you probably want to taper down your workload and only do a max of 10 short answer questions in a day once a week to again give your mind and body the best opportunity to perform at its optimum on the day. I agree. I also found it really necessary to keep things different and interesting. So we would often do three minute questions, five minute questions, change the number of questions we did in a row. I imagine it's like changing the weight and reps that you do if you wanted to build muscle. And it was just a way to cover the more topics, but I also realized how useful it was. So by doing a three minute SAQ, we would learn structure and keep topics fresh in our memory. The five minute questions were the pass attempt. Knowing how to get that pass mark quickly and strategically was really, really useful. And then those eight to 10 minute questions really were all about endurance and mimicking the exam. But it doesn't always have to be written. I found it so enjoyable to, you know, walk with my study mate down to a cafe, would bring some questions with us and talk through how we'd answer it. And again, this is all active recall and varying the practice and laying down different types of memories, but still doing the active recall process. So Stan, when did you start doing the MCQs and how did you balance that? So that's a good question. So there's two ways that uh, most trainees uh, attack the MCQs. One is to do it uh, week by week, and which is what I recommend. So what you do is you divide the MCQs according to your learning objectives and do it each week. The other way to do it is to save all the MCQs during the revision period. For that technique, what you aim to do is to cover all the learning objectives through your SAQs and use that MCQ period as another form of learning to consolidate uh, everything that you've learned. So look, both techniques work well, and it's really up to you in terms of uh, you know how your study group wants to run it. Mm. I remember that I was so much more worried about the SAQs that we wanted to get through those first. And then as soon as we got to that kind of revision period, three months out of the exam, we ended up being able to do the MCQs and actually still having time to go through them quite a few times. Um, but yeah, I, I think it doesn't matter as long as you've got a strategic plan each, either way. Correct. So how many times did you go over the SAQs and MCQs? What I would do first is once you've created your template answer for the SAQs, um, as well as um, a template answer for the MCQs, and what I mean template answer is in terms of explaining why you've chosen an answer to be the most correct, as well as choosing why the other answers are not correct. So once, once you've done that, what you want to do is to be able to provide some form of active recall. And you want to do it, I think, at least three or four times throughout this whole period. So you could do it you know, once during your study period and then again during your revision period and then a third, fourth time you know, during, during a practice exam. But I would think at least, at least you know, two or three times would be minimum. That sounds pretty good. And I remember even though formally I'd maybe only go through it three or four times, by the time you've thought about things again and talked about it in theatre, talked about it with your study mates, maybe gone through it in a, in a tutorial session, you end up going through the common topics and the big topics quite a few times anyway. So it's naturally the state of things that the resp, cardio, pharmacology, core topics, you would end up going through many times anyway. So how about preparing for the vivas? And should you be preparing for them during your study plan? That's a great question. I think the techniques and skills required for a viva are very different to that required for the shortest questions and MCQs. And 
given that that the skills are completely different, you know, I think we should plan for this for another podcast and really set out a a plan on how we're going to attack the vivas and what are the pros and cons of you know including them in your study plan. That sounds great. So that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share. See you next time. Thanks. Thanks.